Hi, I'm Aaron, and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, a podcast all about, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I will be interviewing artists and exploring the genre I love. My hope is that you will begin to love it as much as I do, if not more. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming podcast news. All right, let's get into it. All right, welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm with an up and coming uh, star of hip hop, Luch Carpo. So if you don't know Luch Carpo, you've definitely been sleeping because Luch, you've you've dropped like I think it's four or five albums now. Like you're actually dropping album literally. I can't. I almost blink, and there's another album ne- there. <laughs> so um, it, there's definitely a lot of content for for Luch Carpo. Definitely check him out uh, on on Spotify. And Birth of a King is his most recent project that dropped. So it's it's a pretty big project as well. I, I think it's like fourteen tracks or, or sixteen tracks. Is that right? Sixteen, yeah. Yeah, 16 tracks. So um, you'll definitely get a lot of content, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of content from him, and also uh, the speech as well, which is probably your biggest single so far. I feel like it's just just started to really really jump. But I mean, how does it feel for you? You you're putting a lot of music out there, and now it's starting to see some traction. I I feel like it's important to continue to get a fans content music. Uh, a friend of mine was having this conversation with a friend of mine, and he was, you know, saying, oh, you, know, you give him too much, man, slow down. But I, I really believe, like, putting music out. If I if I had it my way, I would drop an album every month. Like, I think music and, and your fans, they want to hear you. They want to hear what you got going on. Well, that was something I was actually going to ask you because I've spoken to a lot of people, and some people wait two years before they drop another album. And some people, you know, are more like you who drop regularly, but... How do you think that impacts kind of the fans? Because to me, there seems like a balancing act between you want your most recent album to reach enough people before you drop your next album. Yeah, that was that was that's the the, the part that I agree with when he was we were having that conversation. Kind of like, I, I mean, I, I understand it. You get the album, you know, you want them to you want it to sink in. You want them to get, you know, maybe learn a few words, whatever the case. I mean, I understand it. I do understand that, but I just I can't stop. Get putting, you know, giving them the music. Man, it's my my passion, my gift, and I, I want to. I want people to feel what I feel. When I'm making, I want them to feel the same thing I feel when they're listening to it. Yeah, I think that's the the hard part. That once you find like the thing that you click with, it's impossible to stop. And then, I mean, you're gonna be recording regardless of whether you're dropping albums or not. So either you either release the music or you hold on to the music. And I guess it gets to a point where you're like, there's no point me just holding on to it because I'm going to have a back catalog of, you know, a hundred tracks and then nobody's ever going to hear them. I do. I do. I do. I do regret uh, that. Like not so much regret, but like putting out the music. So I'll listen. Cause I don't really listen to myself too much. The only time I really listen to myself uh, is when I'm either about to drop something or I've dropped it. And I kind of want to hear it all the way through and try to, you know, vibe and see what the people are picking up. But, I listened to my first uh, my first album, uh, Preliminary Hearing, and I'll hear a song or two. I'm like, damn, I wish I could have, you know, put that, made that a single, put a video to that, stuff like that. Like, I'll get that a couple of times. But other than that, like, I, I, I love it. So I'm, I'm putting it out there and people are liking it, loving it. Well, I mean, you could always do a re-release. So there's like, 
you know, there's no rules really. So like, you know, just because you dropped it and it's not like it's a five-year-old album, like, you know, we're talking 2020 that you dropped it. So you can still do that kind of stuff. And I always think that there's nothing that stops artists or shouldn't stop artists from going back, re-recording it, you know, putting dope music and kind of, you know, building the hype again from the early career and you they can see that journey. I was I was I was I was actually thinking about doing a compilation of all the albums, kind of taking, you know, two or three songs, the most viewed, most listened to, and kind of putting them putting them together, re-releasing it, giving it kind of a you know a, a, a dope name or something like that. Maybe maybe a two-part one, one part kind of, you know, a, a soulful kind of music that I've made and other kind of turn up or party type music like that. I was I was considering that's funny you said that. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. You can, you know, look at us coming up with selling strategies. I love this kind of shit. But um, the the whole, you know, you can actually just sell on the vibe. Like if you want something, yeah, like you said, soulful, mellow, kind of something that sits with you, or you want something to just party to, then you got Luch Capo all the way. Right, right. I think I, I think I'm gonna have to stamp it now, man. I, I, which it, you gave me the, the kind of the vote. I think I'm gonna have to do it, man. The only thing is. You, you shouldn't yeah, I'm just gonna ask for royalties that's the thing any anybody <laughs> comes on this I'm always like <laughs> that's what you don't know that's that's what people don't understand everyone who goes on this I'm getting nah I'm not getting shit but <laughs> no, it's, I just want people to to do well but um but the other you were actually talking about naming of your albums but I noticed that you have like full stops in between the words so like I was actually going to ask you about that. What inspired you to put the full stops? You mean like the titles of the songs? The way I, yeah, the, way the I titles of the songs. Even "Birth of a King." It's not a space. It's a full stop in between each of the each of the words. Yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of two reasons. One one is my mother was uh, extremely good at handwriting. Like her handwriting was like immaculate. Like she was like out of a book. Like it was crazy. So I picked that up from her. So I used to write. And like, if I, I can be halfway down the page and if I messed up a word, like I'll throw the whole thing away. So it was oh, like, damn. yeah. So I was like a little anal with that. So when it came to, you know, the music and the titles, like making a space seem so like empty to me for some reason. Like, so I said, I don't like the space. Let me try to figure out. And on preliminary hearing, I didn't, uh, I think I connected the words. I just made the capital letters if it was two words, but you know, uh, lately, I put the put a period and kind of kind of bring it together, kind of make the word one instead of two words, kind of like that. But it it kind of started from my mother and her handwriting and me trying to, you know, have that perfect handwriting like that. That's kind of where it started. Because the other thing that I was thinking was that it makes your songs really easy to find. Like, you know, if I'm searching, I like put birth you know, period of period. And then I'll find your tracks. And I was like, oh, that's actually genius. It's an easy way to find all your music because no one else does it. So um, maybe, yeah. So that's what I thought. I was I was going back to that. But um, it was, was your mother's writing, was it like, you know, cursive? Was it like, you know, really fancy? Cursive, uh, regular print. Hebrew, it didn't matter. Whatever, whatever she put a pen to the paper, it was like immaculate. It was crazy. So where did she learn how to how to write like that? I don't know. I I guess she was just born. But she went to a, a school in Philadelphia where I'm from called Masterman, and it was kind of it was a high school, but it was very like acclaimed. Like it was kind of like 
you go to mastermind, you're going to college. So they kind of was, that's kind of where I started to realize, like, well, she, the story start at mastermind. So, but that got to be like born because you can't learn to write like that. Like, I wish I could show you. I guess it was, it's crazy. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's also learned like my parents, like my, my dad's Russian and he's, he learned in Russia how to write. And it's just like, so it's so pretty. Like my grandmother as well, her writing was so pretty and mine is horrible. Like it <laughs> looks insanely bad. Not the handwriting. Oh, it's not that bad, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's not great to be honest. Like the, the thing about doctors is they just, I don't know what they're saying. They could, I'm thankful we've got pharmacists because pharmacists are like, can you understand this? I can't, I have no idea what he said to me, but, or, or she said to me, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like I always love that kind of handwriting, but did you feel pressure like seeing that type of writing and then you wanting to emulate that? Yeah, a, a, a little bit. That's why, like I said, like I'll get halfway and I'll throw the paper away if I mess up. It was like, you know, if my mother writes like that, I got to write like that. And then I was like, I've been writing for as long as I can remember, whether it be uh, uh, poetry, spoken word, books, stories, plays. Like I, I've always had a love for putting words together, making them make sense. So like I did a lot. And this was before phones came. Where we could write on the phone. So I'm writing everything. I just wanted, I just wanted it to be perfect. So I think it was a little pressure. I think it was a little bit of pressure. And how was it growing up? Did you have the pressure of like education or, or what was that experience like when you were a kid? I did. I did. I, I'm the oldest of three. I have a brother and sister. Um, I was, uh, you know, for lack of a better phrase, you know, the, the ticket. Like I was, I was very, very good at football uh, scholarships, uh, played quarterback. But at, for, uh, you know, I think it's, Football that is is like soccer, right? Uh, no, nah, we got AFL. It's Australian Rules Football. So that's that's pretty much what I watch. But it's like a mix of, it's the weirdest game in the world. Uh, I'll have to send you a video of just like some big hits that that, that you it's get cool. in football. But um, but uh, but yeah, like I know NFL. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I do like the Patriots. Uh, disappointed, Tom had to had to leave. Uh, but that look on your face. Sorry but... for your loss. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, you were saying you were you were quarterback. Um... Yeah, yeah. I was uh so so we, from the inner the inner city and stuff like that. So you know you got drug dealers, you got the regular stuff that go on. So my my parents, mostly my grandmother, my my parents were around, were there for sure. But my grandparents really molded me. You know the respect, the moral stuff like that. So I was looked upon to be the person that would get us from you know, the, 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 the tough life. So uh, I took I took that on. My grandfather passed away. I was, that's my, you know, my role model. That was my role model. That was my, my man. And he passed. But when he was alive, I just, he always told me, you know, like, when I go, man, like, you got the family. You know, you got you to gotta take care of your grandmother, your people, stuff like that. So I always felt like everyone was looking at me to, or looking to me to be a success. And my mother ended up, she had uh, two aneurysms. So uh, she had divorced my father. So it kind of was just us, my siblings and my mother. And she was putting work and stuff because her memory was a little messed up because of that, the operations. So like I had to take care of the family. So I felt like it was, it's always been, whether it was just me giving myself the pressure or outside entities giving me the pressure, like to be, to just take care of everything. And even now with the music, like, Myself and my manager, like we built this. Like it was no, 
you know, team. I mean, we have a little, but you know, as far as like the decisions, the money, stuff like that, like it's just me and her. So it's still pressure to, you know, because if I don't do something, then five other things lack or, or, you know what I'm saying, because I didn't do that one thing. So, but I like pressure. I'm a quarterback. Like, you know, you gotta, I like pressure. <laughs> Well, I was going to ask you, how how does that, like, now that you're older, you're like a grown man, you can see that the pressure is good and you can embrace it. But how was it growing up? Did you have moments where, like, this is too much? Like, it is overwhelming that everybody is now looking to me to kind of take the the load and I almost don't even know what I want to do with myself, let alone, you know, figure out how to how to carry the family. Um, Probably when... Uh... My, me and my father really don't get along. And um, I'm going to say around the time when he left and, you know, that, that thing happened to my mother, when I, when, I, when I realized I had to do it, like if I didn't do it, we would be who knows. That, that's when it kind of hit me like, yo, man, like what if I can't do it? What if I don't make enough money? What if, you know, what if my brother and sister are starving and I can't, like, so kind of at the beginning, I'm gonna say about 15, 16, that's when it was like, oh man, like it's really, it's up to me. Like it's really up to me. And that was, that was, I was, I was scared. I was scared. I didn't know how it would turn out, but it, you know, it turned out. It turned out. We everybody's still alive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> we burned the house down and that like that. Well, how did you overcome it? Because you know, a lot of questions that a lot of people have is how do you take on such pressure and how do you come out? on the other side, not only just surviving, but, you know, successful and looking back and going, I'm a better person because of it. I think I, I dealt with the pressure. I overcame it by, by kind of putting another pressure on myself. Like I, w- I wanted to be like my grandfather. So when I feel, felt the pressure of, you know, my mother being uh, uh, ill and having to take care, I kind of was like, you know what? I'm going to be like pop. I'm going to be like pop. I'm going to handle the family like how pop did it. I'm a I'm gonna work, you know, night and day. I'm gonna I'm do whatever needs to be done to take care of the family, you know. So I, I guess I overcame it by accepting another pressure. Cause that's like you don't know my grandfather, obviously, but like, like he was as close to perfect for a man as you can get. Like he just he never raised his voice. He he moved like deliberately, like never too fast, never too slow. He was just he was an awesome guy, man. And um, so trying to walk in his footsteps was pressure in itself. So I guess I overcame it by accepting some more. Yeah, it, it almost sounds like you set goals. Like, you know, you were like, hey, if I'm going to achieve, you know, being the the person that I need to be, I almost need to set the goal to be like my grandfather. And and that goal setting is an easier way to handle the pressure because you can strive towards something as opposed to just, hey, you need to be the man or you need to be the woman or you need to be the person that is carrying the load. So I think, you know, achievable goals or goals that you really want to achieve regardless, because it sounded like you wanted that goal anyway, regardless of whether you had the pressure. Yeah, I was being, I was being, you know, kind of prepped for it my whole life. Like I was being prepped for it. I always was held to a, to a, a higher, not so much standard, but like I couldn't do certain things that kids could do. Like I couldn't make those mistakes because people were, well, what are you doing? You, I'm, you know, I'm nine years old trying to ride the bike and they like, you know, what, what are you doing? You got to uh, get the clothes together so we can wash them. Like, you know what I'm saying? So. And how was it with your siblings? You know, I, cause I'm the oldest of three as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got two younger brothers, but um, yeah. Like 
we're 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 close as hell. Like I live with one of my brothers, and uh, the other one I see all the time. So, um, but yeah, how is it with your siblings, and how was it growing up? Like, because obviously you being the oldest and feeling a lot of pressure, I imagine that would affect your relationship, or or whether it did or, or it didn't. No, the the funny thing is, like we're we're close as as heck. Like we like they're my brother and sister. They're like my soul. I have a I have a child, so sometimes I feel bad saying that. But like my brother and sister, man, they they. Our bond is like, and we don't see each other every day. We don't talk every day, but our bond is amazing. Like I, I helped to raise them. And it's funny cause I, once they grew up, I, uh, I was incarcerated. So when I came home, you know, everybody, you know, we grown, they, they kind of raised me. They kind of brought me back to, you know, reality. Like that got me away from the street. Like you, know, you need to do this. You need to start writing. You need to start focusing. So it's like, like I owe them a lot. I owe them a lot. I raised them so they could raise me at the end of the day. Like hindsight, after looking back at it, like, damn, if I, you know, if I didn't instill these certain things into them, into their personalities, they wouldn't have been able to help me when I needed them. Because if they weren't there, like, who knows where I would have been? Like, I was, you know, I was, I was at a different place, but they got on me like, yo, you need to take this serious. You need to write. You need to get in the studio. You need to, you know, they was on me. So I, I wouldn't be here without them. I wouldn't be there without you. Well, to be, I love that outlook from you, man. Like that's a that's a really cool outlook to to look back and go, yeah, I raised them so they could raise me. That's kind of really you know beautiful and and you know it's it's really a blessing to be able to look back and go, I'm thankful for the pressure and I'm thankful that I was given the opportunity to to step up and and in my time of need that you know, they were able to step up and, and show me that I'm not by myself and that I can look out to other people to support. And, you know, it sounds like that just kind of gave you a lot of clarity, like it almost just wound it full circle so you don't have that, you know, leftover, you know, feeling of burden. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. I, I feel like I feel accomplished when I see like my, my, uh, they both have two children. You know, they have their careers. They, they, they're positive. They're, my brother is uh, really into like uh, taking care of his body, uh, herbal life and stuff like that. He's a motivator. Like, and I look at him, I'm just so proud of him, man. I'm, I'm real proud of him. And I like that. Thankful for the pressure. I like that. I like, because I am. I am. It, it, it molded and shaped what's sitting here talking to you right now. Yeah, I think, I think sometimes we we get too used to the idea of comfort and you know a lot of and pressure is uncomfortable and and like i get it pressure is uncomfortable and pressure is not fun and it can be so draining but what it does it shows you that if you can overcome it you can overcome anything and that like it's just a period of time where it's challenging um and and i think it's the same with like public speaking it's probably the same when you did your first show like you feel the pressure you feel all the eyes on you and you can either make it and go for it and even if you fuck it up who cares like it's a learning experience like at the end of the day it's it's just one of those ones where you just that continuous drive to get better is the most important thing and you you'll handle the pressure eventually i'm kind of a little (laughs) I'm, I, I guess mean or whatever with that, like with people around me that I that I hold dear or that I that I expect things from, like you know, I like 
like something could happen in their family or whatever, whatever the case. And I'm kind of like, but you gotta take care. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause I, cause like, cause I've been there. Like, I've been, through, I've been <laughs> through it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's nothing that somebody can tell me or an excuse that they can give to why they didn't do whatever. Cause I've, I've, I went through it. I, I and I'm, you know what I'm saying I built I'm building a brand I'm building a company so I like the excuses and stuff don't work like my team know that man like don't call him talking about you sick or whatever whatever because I'm not I think it built the pressure built a tough exterior kind of when it comes to life or business or things that you need to do well I was gonna ask you because you mentioned that you were incarcerated um how did that come about and how does that play into your journey as an artist because Based on what you're telling me, I feel like there is this undertone throughout your whole life of you were always creative, but it never came out until you went to prison and then you came out and your siblings kind of helped you on that journey. So can you explain kind of that journey for me? Um, well, I was uh, I was incarcerated for uh, selling drugs because of what I was into to, you know, help the family. I kind of, you know, they say you uh, users are addicts. But I say the people who sell to them are addicts as well. It's a different, it's a different high. I became to get high on the movement of being in the streets, in the mix. Like that became my drug. That became my drug. So what was it? When you look back, what was it that you you enjoyed? Was it the the danger of it? Was it just the the fact that you were selling? Because I know that the selling high, like I've I deal with salespeople all the time, and they love the the feeling of just getting the deal across the line. But do you, do you remember what it was in particular that you were like, "Oh, this is why I'm doing it," other than obviously the money? Right. Um, I would have to say there were other people obviously doing whatever they were doing, and say um say they were selling weed, right? And they were selling weed for twenty dollars. My whole thing was okay. I want to get something better and then I want to make it, I want to sell it for 15 and I want to, and I want to, I want to, and when I seen that stuff happen and I seen people that were going to them, that they're coming to me, like that was one of the, it was a whole bunch of things, but that right there is what I could pinpoint. Like, okay, I'm good at this. Like I know how to sell stuff. Like, and so that was, that began the addiction that began like, and then it became like, okay, now I love getting in the car, pulling up and people seeing me. You know, being in the mix, being around, like that became it for me. Like, so the streets was just, I could, it wasn't a day that went by that I wasn't out there in the mix of it. Like, I, the smell of it, even to this day, if I say I got, you know, writer's block, or I can't, I got an idea, but I can't like, get it out, I'll just drive or I'll just walk and smell the outside, hear the conversations, you know, the, the horns, the yelling, the cursing, like people would be like, oh my God, it's noisy. But to me, it's like it's like music itself, like just out there like that. So it became a part of game, like all of it. I can't really, like I said, I can't really pinpoint one thing. Just all of it just became a part of me. Even to this day, right now, it's just, it's no longer illegal, but it's just the 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 feel of somebody uh, knowing the music, you know. Uh, but actually, it's funny. Like about a week ago, I don't know if you guys got Wawa. You got Wawa in it. Uh, I, I personally don't. I haven't heard many people. Maybe it's like slowly coming in, but uh, not really. I mean, it's, it's like a store. Oh, nah. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a store. It's, it's like a, you know a big chain, whatever. But I'm in there and I'm ordering something and I'm waiting for it. And two people walk up to me and I hear the, the female is a female and her, and her guy. I heard the female say, "See, I told you that was him." 
I told you. And I don't even remember anything else after that. I just heard that. And I'm like, wow, like people, you know, they're really out there listening to me. They're really out there paying attention to what I'm doing. So that was that was dope for me. But that like kind of that's the feeling that I had, you know, in the street, that that feeling. But um I, I went away, uh, came home, and while I was up there, I was like, I was like, I was I wasn't in the in the mindset to write because I was I was in that street mentality. So when I went away, I was still in that mentality, survive, uh, whatever. But something, a friend of mine asked me to write a letter to his girl. Because my my cellie, my cellmate, he knew I wrote, because I would write poetry to my lady or whatever. So he asked me to write something for his girl. And he showed a couple people and they read it and they're like, yo, who wrote that? Tell them to, tell them I want, you know, see if they could, how much they charge for a poem or whatever. And that's kind of where it started. Like that's where, like this is where I picked up the love again. I'm like, okay, now I'm writing, now I'm writing. And the uh, the Jay Z and Beyonce CD, uh, the Carter. Is that what it's called? Carter. Yeah. I, I rewrote that whole album. I remixed that whole album, like while I was up there. And I, you know, and I, then it was just on from there. Like I just, I think I've been writing every day, every day since. Well, well, that's awesome, man. Because how long were you were you away for? Well, I did two uh, stints. Uh, one was like two years and then I've, I've been home two years from an eight year of the, I was away for eight. Okay. Wow. So, so you've, you experienced a long time away and, and obviously now you're back, you're, you're really making the most of it, but you know, it seems like looking back, do you feel like there's almost two parts of your life? Like there's the, the pre and post and that the turn was, or there was a period where that, writing letters kind of just unlocked this the creative side that you always had as a kid like it just sounds like that was pushed away and now you feel free because you can actually explore it that's perfect that's exactly what it was it's exactly like because i've always wrote since i could walk but i've never thought i always say i never thought i could do anything with it but i never you know okay i can write i, I know I'm whatever but like that was like that jail jail I didn't. I didn't take jail the way most people take jail. Like I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to reform or anything like that because I knew what I was already. Like the the reason why I was there wasn't me. You know what I'm saying? So I was already on something different, something positive or whatever. But I think yeah, it's for sure two different parts. I, Luch and Tariq. Like <laughs> people always say, like yo, that you really get to have two personalities. Like Luch is. And Tariq is like a completely different, you know, uh, moves different. I don't want to say completely different because I have the same morals and respect and stuff like that, period. But like Luch is the creator, the, 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 you know, has the talent, has the, you know, whatever like that. So uh, two different personalities kind of. Yeah, I get that. I mean, like 50 Cent said the same thing in his book. He said, you know, the 50 Cent is the brand. He's the artist. But Curtis Jackson, he's the guy in the room who's signing contracts. He's the guy who's making the moves. 50 Cent is just the the front end. They're very much similar, but you have to understand that as an artist, there's two parts of you and that you're not always Luch or you're not always your your the other side of you. Like you, you have to manage the the interaction between the two. So um and obviously he's he's like an extreme example of that's what anyone knows him for is 50 cent. I think lots of people forget that his actual name is Curtis Jackson. That I I, I like that. I agree with that. I agree. I said something I, I got a bar in one of my songs. I say uh 
Uh, never one man over the rest. I just want people to know who's going to be signing the checks, you know? So it kind of going off of what you said about 50. Like, cause I know, I know, I knew then that I would have to have a certain moxie when it came to, you know, boardrooms, meetings, talking to different people. That's what my grandmother was adamant of always having us around different people, you know, white, black, Chinese, uh, cultured people, uh, uh, you know, super intelligent people. Like she said, you always got to walk into a room and people have to feel like, you know what you're doing, you know what you're talking about, even if you don't. Yeah, fake it till you make it. And weirdly <laughs> enough, weirdly enough, it works. It works. If you fake it enough, you'll start believing it and you believe that you deserve to be there. It's kind of the weirdest hack of of like, you know, feeling comfortable is just pretend. Just put on, become an actor and pretend you deserve to be there and everyone will treat you like you do. Right. Right. I, I, just, I do that all the time. Well, not now so much, but a little younger. I'm, you know, maybe in a mirror or even in the shower. And I'm like, I'm not just regularly singing along. I'm like moving like it's me, like, you know, like I'm supposed to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's training. That's what it is. It's all training. It's training. Just... It. It's got, you know, I got my remote. I'm, you know, I'm super duper, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so something that I was interested in. So obviously, you're, you're 15, you're 16. Is there a creative outlet at the same time or does that kind of be pushed? I'm, I'm talking about to this day, that's my first love. Nothing is wrong. Everything's beautiful. I love everyone, obviously, other than my opponent. Um, it, football just, me, just, it's like, it just does something to me. It does something to me. I could be having the worst day, the worst week ever, and I'll step on a football field and I'm in a cocoon. Like nothing is wrong. Everything is amazing. Like I don't know what it is, but um, football was is it. I don't know if you can see it. It's like a scar. I have yeah. my head. I was three years old, and I'm chasing my you know the old floor model TVs. I'm chasing my football, and I fell, and I you know right on the edge, slipped, my bleeding everywhere. Like so, I've been. We got a kind of like a, a what you call blood oath, man. Football, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, football is it for me, man. I love it. I love it. So, did you find that that you're a very competitive person? Because that's what it seems like. Like straight, we tie our shoe. I want to tie my shoe before you tie your shoe. Like, I'm extremely competitive. So, how do you balance that now? Because obviously the music industry is a competitive industry. And obviously, you know, for every fan out there, there is only so much time that a fan can listen to music. Like there are so many fans, but how does it, how do you stop yourself or how do you control the competitive edge, especially in hip hop, which is notoriously a very kind of combative industry. If I compare it to other genres, there's not the same kind of, competition in terms of you know diss tracks and you know me versus you it's very unique in that sense i feel bad for saying this but i'll hear i'll listen to music that's out now and i'll see artists and, and i'll you know see maybe um you know people that are following them or, or or whatever the case and i'll listen to and i'll i'm better now i'm i i should be there i should be in his i should you know what i'm saying but at the same time, I don't want to take away from anybody's success. I, I'm, I don't want to, I'm not a hater. I'm, I don't at all, but I feel like my talent should be hurt. Like, I don't, I don't feel like, I don't want to say, I, I don't feel like anyone's better than me, but I don't feel like anybody can do me the way I'm doing it. And like, 
by myself pretty much. Like, you know, so I feel like my competitive nature as far as music goes, it's, it makes me feel like I deserve it. Like I deserve it. Like there's no rebuttal, there's no second guessing, none of that. Like Luch Cabo needs to be in, in the lights. My name should be in the light. And so how do you handle, obviously, seeing artists that, you know, you're, you perceive whether it's right or wrong is up to obviously the listener, but, you know, these artists that are, let's say, have more clout because they've been in the game longer or they hit the right track or the right sound. But how do you handle, obviously, you being at a different level, you being better than them, and then them like kind of rising and, and seeing their their fame and their stardom and their success. How do you kind of overcome those two challenges? Or do you see it as like, I'll get there in the end? It's a, it's a little bit of that, but I don't I don't I don't overcome the challenge. It's it's, just, it's there. I feel I, I'm like, okay, if I if I if I you know, any artist, artist song, if I hear something or if I see someone having, you know, a rise that I feel like I deserve or, you know, that I want, then I'm just like this. Like, I'm not sleeping. I'm not talking to nobody. Like, I've sacrificed so many, like, relationships and everything for this, right? Because when I get that, when I'm in go mode, when that, that competitive nature kicks in and I see these people where I want to be, that just, like, you got to go harder. Oh, babe, you got, no, I'm not sleeping right now. I got to, I got to finish this song. I got to finish whatever I got to do. Like I'm writing stuff that to beats that nobody would write to like rock beats or whatever. Like it's, you put it, I want to write. I want to, I've never let a beat beat me. Like that's like uh, LL Cool J said that. And I heard uh, that was a quote of his and I, I kind of stay by that. Like I never let a beat beat me. But like that, I just, that just makes me go harder when I see somebody in the position that I want. Like I'm, I'm going harder, like harder than harder, like harder than everybody say, oh, I'm going harder. I'm going harder. Yeah. I think, I think it's really important to use that as motivation. I think, um, I don't remember who said it, but there was a writer of, of, a, of a successful TV show. And the reason they started writing was because they were like, I saw how many shit TV shows have made it. So if there are shit TV shows that can make it. I didn't really want to say that, but that's kind He's just That's like, man, there's so feel, much man. shit out there. If if, if oh they can God. get out there, then then I can get out there as well because I'm going to do something. That's all it is. I don't want to take his spot. I don't want him not to be there, but I should be there because that's trash. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm listening to like rhyme schemes. And again, I don't, I don't mean to disrespect artists because I know what it takes to put songs together, what it takes to, I understand. But I'm like, the, it's like elementary. My daughter could write something better than that. Like, and it's like people like, uh, I'm like, what? what? But you know, I, I guess music has changed so much. Music has changed so much. Like what you're talking about matters like this much. Like if the beat is, is amazing and you got a catchy hook, boom, you got it, you're good. Yeah, I think I think for me, the, the most upsetting is, is like, okay, fine, let's say content is not there, but the flow doesn't match the beat or or it doesn't catch the beat. And, you know, as someone who's a fan and, like, 
I only listen to hip hop music. So I'm going to say that straight up. That is the only music I listen to. It's the bane of everybody I know. They they hate it because they're like, just listen to something else. And I'm like, I, I can't because it's it's like a rabbit hole. I'm, I'm deep in the rabbit hole. But the thing that annoys me and, you know, is I still want the the beat and the flow to make sense. Sometimes I'm listening to a flow and I'm like, but it doesn't match the beat at all. And I don't understand why. And this is coming from someone who's not an artist, but this is a critic. It's like my own critic. But I think that now we've got the casual hip hop listeners and the casual fans. And because they're not listening to it all the time, they haven't learned about the importance of catching the flow and the beat and how to match a hook and how to structure bars and a verse. And that's kind of the, the challenge that we're in because it's just exploding. I, I, I completely agree with that. Completely. Um, the the one thing I hear all the time, like people, you know, will like the music, may not like it, may like whatever the case. But I always hear, bro, your beat selection is amazing. Like the beat selection and the the, the tone of the song always is married. You know what I'm saying? That's that's funny that that's your pet peeve because that's like that's extremely important to me. Like you can't be on a song, a soulful song screaming or, or, you know, like you gotta, you gotta, the, I let the beat make the song for me for real, for real. I just put the words there. Like the beat writes the song before it's even complete. Yeah, tonality is really important. Understanding yeah. the tonality of, and actually one of the tracks that I really like of yours is outro on Birth of a King because that, has a soul sample. I'm a big fan of soul samples and it has that vocal sample. And to me, I there's like, we're in a weird place of either you know how to do it or you don't know how to do it. And the my pet peeve is generic beats. That's always been my pet peeve. The first thing that got me into hip hop was the sound. So that's always the first thing that I'm listening to is, is this generic or am I hearing something different? But yeah, I think it's, it's about allowing the music to guide you and not just stepping into the studio and go, I'll just spit whatever I wrote the other day. And you, it, it's like a, it's, it's a, it has to be a cohesive process. But again, you know, at the end of the day, they're successful and they'll turn around and go, well, you know, Aaron, you go make your millions and then come talk to me. So that's a fair point. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. But I don't like that point though. Don't like, I don't like that point. Don't tell me, oh, I made mine. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> hey, it, at the end of the day, you did what you got it at the end of the day, like you're successful. I don't begrudge that. It's just literally my opinion as a fan. So like, it, it like there's very few people who are lucky in the sense they all had to work. They all had to grind. You know, they all had to take risks. At some point you always become a full-time artist. Like, you know, as much as I'll critique the music, never begrudge the success because most people have actually earned it in the industry. It's, it's, it's really, I mean, I'm going to say, I mean, even now, you, you you gotta earn it. You can't. I mean, some people just get lucky and they have a you know a hit and that's it. You'll probably never hear from them again. But you know, eight times out of ten, it's 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 tough. It's tough to make it, man. It's tough to get there. So I would never take that away. Like I always always say that, even if I you know trash a, a, a artist or talk bad, like I'm always respect because I know, I know. Like I'm nowhere right now for you know what I'm saying, but I and I'm working my asshole. Behind, I don't know. I'm working my behind, so I know 
somebody that's in the industry working for a company, like I know that it's strenuous. I know what you're going through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that's probably the difference between, you know, actually really loving it and going like, I get that you work to get where you are. This is just professional opinion. Like this is, this has nothing to do with me going, I don't want you to be successful. I don't want you to do well. This is purely my opinion on the music. And this is what I try not to do. And this is probably for you, like, you know, where you go, all right, these are my pet peeves. I want to make sure that this never happens in my music. Like something that, you know, I spoke to uh, Carl Lucas the other day and he's like, I hate hearing when people breathe on tracks, like when they go like that in breath. And we're talking oh, about like in between, in between, yeah, in between of, yeah. So yeah, like, oh, that's funny. Uh, me too. <laughs> so like, and and the biggest person who ever did that was Big Pun, and Big Pun is one of my favorite rappers of all time. But like now, it's it's a pet peeve. But at the same time, if you're not into hip hop and someone doesn't point it out to you, you'll actually never pick it up. That's that's crazy. I'm just saying, I, I that, I'm like, did he just breathe? That's just a breath movement. I, t- I try not to do it. I don't think I do it. I listen, like I said, I listen to my stuff and I don't think I do it, but I, I don't like that either. Not so much don't like it. It's like, why is it there? Like, I, be feel- I feel like that shouldn't be there. Yeah. He, he was like, you know, don't you have an audio engineer? Don't you have an editor who edits that shit out? Take that out. Yeah. Take out the little, you know, the pops and the, whatever the case may be. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Some people do it on, some people want to do it though. I knew a, guy, a friend of mine, he, he's like more of a battle rapper though. And uh, I had pointed it out to him on a track he did. I said, bro, like I can really hear you breathing in between the bars. You know, yeah, I want him to know, I want him to know that I ain't, what do you say? I want to know that I ain't, ain't no punch-ins or something like that. He said, I ain't punching in, I'm going all the way through. So I guess, I, I guess that, that, you know, I said, yeah. all right, whatever. I think some of it, and um, potentially this is like me, you know, reminiscing to and, and loving Big Pun, but understanding breath control like like the thing about big pun was it because i knew every time he breathed i knew how long the bar was and i knew how long the verse is and i'm like holy shit he said all that and didn't breathe like the breath control is is like a cool element and again like this is me being a nerd and going i can appreciate breath control and that has nothing to do with the actual music but i just like that he didn't need to breathe for like you know this whole part and right. then he when he breathes it's like it's gross and disgusting but snoring is something god rest his soul yeah the way he wrote the way he, he raps it was like what? wow but yeah he's in my top five he's a hundred percent in my top five and and if if anyone hasn't heard capital punishment by big pun it's got a bunch of skits in there like i get it like you know skits are skits but he's tracks like every pretty much every song in there is five stars as far as i'm concerned like it is unreal i think that's a classic album like easy hands down classic album it definitely definitely last bits in there yeah oh he's he's just he was just a unique personality he's a unique dude uh and i and i love that i I like i love that about him and i love that about hip-hop is that you really see the character come out in like the album construction in literally the way they carry themselves and and he was one of those guys but he's he's not really brought up that much like you know never never yeah um and I, i wonder why that is like i always think you know and i think it's more 
you know, the back end of his career, he was really overweight and he passed away, obviously because of his weight issues. But I feel like his last two albums, they were just, and I think, yeah, he just struggled a lot. I think that almost tarnished his reputation in a way. I think that, that might have something to do with it in, in outside of hip hop circles. Like people that don't know and see that, that descent or just maybe caught him at that time on. It's like big pun. Why are they talking about big? Yeah, he was a, a, a you say top five, you mean that's your top five lyricists or just artists? Rappers all time. Like I will always and he's just one of those people where I listen and I'm always so impressed. It doesn't matter how many times I listen to it, just the way he puts together a verse, his rhyme scheme is unbelievable. And you know, the beats aren't even the greatest beats I've ever heard. No. They're like not okay beats. But the way he makes them sound because of his rhyme scheme and because of his flow, yeah, it's just crazy to me. And I'm, yeah, I just feel like he could have been anything, but obviously his health battles got in the way. He, he, I think, I think outside of it, the reason we just said, like at the end of his career, I think him being Puerto Rican was kind of a hindrance as far as why, why people don't speak about him because it's like, all right, most of obviously, most people's top five, top 10, top 50, it's pretty much all, you know, black guys, African-Americans, whatever. But then you'll get a, you know, a, a, a Eminem. Most people don't expect a white guy to sound like that. So they automatically, they're catching people, man. They're catching ears like, oh, you're a white boy. Blah, 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 blah. And Puerto Ricans is like, they're not known for rap. Like nobody really knows, like pun might be the, you know, the hate suits of it all. Like, so I think that kind of had something to do with it too. Like, you know, he wasn't a regular, you know, black guy and he wasn't, the the you know the the different white guy he kind of you know he kind of just got lost in the shuffle and that had a little bit of a little bit to do with it plus he was you know it was a, it's a lot of heavyweights out when he was out yeah I think that's the other thing that like you know off the back of you know some huge huge hip hop icons you know we look back into into that period of time and like literally everyone who is an All icon of hip hop. Yeah, it's 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 impossible to be like, you know, in that period of hip hop to really stand alone because you've just got so many people, you know, between, you know, your Nas's, your Jay-Z's, you know, Biggie passed away by that time. But, you know, the effect of Biggie, the effect of Tupac, you've got, you know, Big L at that time as well, who, yeah, he's in my top five as well, Big L. He, he, oh, man. Don't, nope, I don't think. I can speak to anybody. I don't think I know anybody outside of people that know music that know who Big L is. I, I yeah, again, another thing I don't know why, because like when I hear a Big L verse that I've never heard, it's like a miracle. It's like, you know, it's like the same with Big Pun. If I have five, it's like, it's like, I've really got to enjoy this. Like, Cause I, I'll, I'll, I may never find a new Big L verse or a new Big Pun verse ever again. And it may be the last one I ever find. So it's like, you know, it's like finding the, you know, the the addiction. It's like, it's fueling that. It's like, oh, I found something new. Right, right. I ain't, I ain't doing that no more. I'm on this right here. Well, what did they, what did they, what did, um, I feel, oh, I feel bad that I, I should know this. Um, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's biblical. They were looking for it all the time. Uh, oh my God, I feel bad. But I don't know what this is and I should know. <laughs> that's okay. That's like, that's like, I'm trying to I'm trying to compare that to your feeling from hearing the verse. Uh, I can't sorry I can't think. I, hopefully I think about it. No, nah, it'll it'll sit in the back of your mind, and then probably later in the day you'll be like, "God damn it, 
of all the times it comes to me, it's right. at the end of the podcast. <laughs> right. I'm going to call him, but we got to do another interview. We gotta yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cut it in. I'll cut it. You just send me the voice note. I'll cut it in. I'll make it sound good. Oh, man. But uh, yeah, he, um, I was talking to a, a, a younger guy. I just I just got up uh, under me, an artist named uh, Amaru. Dope young, dope young guy, man. Really, he's, he's, he's a young throwback. Like I asked him, I was... Uh, me and my manager was, uh, we had a meeting with him. We, you know, just asking questions. And I asked him his top five. And the names that he was saying, Big L, uh, 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 Craig Mack, uh, just names like that. I'm like, how old are you? 25. I said, wow. Like, y'all, like, right there, I'm like, oh, yeah, you with us. Come on, you with us. Because you got to be, like, a historian of, of hip-hop to be 25 and know those names, right? Yeah, and really know like he knows the music, not just like you know, Big Brother told him the names. Yeah, because I'm 27, so I'm I'm like in that weird mix of like I can appreciate. Yeah, I'm 27, so I know the beard gives it away. I like, I've, and I've got an older voice, like I've got a yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. And, and again, like you know, big pun in your top stuff like that. Like I thought she was at least 32, 33 ish, at least. No, nah, I. It's just. I think it's like one of my friends, he's 30. And so he loves hip hop as well. And that I think he showed me, but like the first style of hip hop that I got into was the older style of hip hop. It wasn't actually the the new school. So my education of what hip hop music was actually started, for, it started with 50 Cent and then obviously Eminem and then moved to the 90s. And then from the 90s, I was like, okay, now I'm starting to understand, you know, beat selection. I'm starting to understand producers. You know, DJ Premier is my favorite producer of all time, straight up of all time. Every beat he makes, as far as I'm concerned, is fire. And every we used to do reviews on this podcast, and literally every time it was a DJ Premier beat, I was like, it's five stars. I, of course. <laughs> no explanation no explanation it's five stars it's five stars <laughs> no it's it's, it's got to be but yeah i think like I, I like that because now i understand more so the where hip-hop comes from and it's really difficult i think for a lot of people to listen to the music now and understand the like the critiques that we have because we listen to the music of where it like the foundations and I think that's probably where the disconnect is right now is that there's no appreciation for, you know, the music that was 20 to 30 years ago. And now that I say it, it's actually quite a long time ago, but you need to listen to it to understand why people are like, here are the nitpicks, here are the little mistakes, here are the things that make the, the culture so important. And, 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 and it was something that I was uh, thinking about the other day. Like, you know, uh, late 90s, 2000s, you know, rapping, you know, when, they, when we rap, we might uh, pay a little homage to the rappers before us. Say uh, Jay-Z was talking about Cool Mo D and, and, and them. Uh, you know, uh, the next meet talking about Jay, whatever the case. These rappers don't pay homage to no rappers. That's because they don't know who they are. Like, they don't know who nobody is. They don't, they don't do any homework on the, on the, on the, on the art of rap. Like, it's just a gimmick now. It's a hustle. Like, the drug game is like the crack game now. Like, it, I mean, the rap game. The rap game is the drug game now. Like, people are getting in the rap game, you know, a hit or two, boom, million or two. And now they can really care less what happens now. They got that money. They can do whatever they're going to do with it. But I can do this at this capacity for the rest of my life. Now, that's how 
that's how passionate I am about everything music. Like I, I, I listen to all kinds of music. You know what I'm saying? And I've been that way since I was young. Saturday mornings, grandma, we cleaning, you know, music playing. But I, I'm my passion goes deep about music. So when I hear somebody or I see somebody that made it that I know you don't care. Like for real, for real. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like this is a hustle for you. That that makes me mad too though. It makes me mad. Because it's 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 watering down. It's gonna be watered down. Not too long. Like it's gonna be watered down. I hear it trying to make it feel like Benny the Butcher, rappers like that. It's kind of like, you know, like stuff like that are true to the art of rap. But these youngins, man, I respect, you know, more power to you, do your thing, but man, they're killing. Like nobody's gonna remember any of these songs 10 years from now. For real, for real. Like none of this, I don't really hear anything. Like I'm not gonna say it's all just horrible music, but it's not gonna last, it's not lasting music. It's not like, you can relate to some of it because you know it, what they're saying, but you can't really, you don't get that feeling like, like when you heard a pun song that you was like, damn. Like you don't get that feeling no more for real. Yeah, like I think of a track like Bad and Bougie by Migos. Like it's a catchy song and it's catchy as hell and I'll vibe to it, but it will never be in my go-to playlist as the song that I want, like if I'm showing people what hip hop is, it's not going to be that track. And I think that you're probably right. That's the challenge is that, you know, you're making money now and that's awesome, but there is more to it than that. There is a legacy part of hip hop and there is the historical part. And I think to be honest, there's probably just going to be a split away. There's going to be a separation of, you know, this is going to be like the new school. It's almost like a new, genre in itself and then there's going to be what hip-hop really is and to be honest it helps artists like you because you get to cut through like you know if you're going and you're using the principles of the foundations of hip-hop it allows you to actually cut through the noise but if you don't understand them it's really difficult and you look at artists like Busta Rhymes who whose album dropped you look at you know J. Cole Method Man is still dropping you know features and he's still killing it but the the technique is different well did you hear that lemonade uh no i didn't actually him and, um, um conway the machine no nah, oh yes yes oh mate that is i've actually got that i've listened to it in a while but that is dope no man i they was somebody he like had the verse of the year on that uh uh man <laughs> I, I i had a um to speak about what you were just talking about uh my man like, we, we were trying to think about like which Single to put out first off of Birth of the King. And she was, um, she wanted a, 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 you know, a more upbeat uh, song for the, you know, for the masses. People want to, you know, turn up, get lit. But I said, no, Boss Talk. Boss Talk has to be it because it's me. Like a video to doing Boss Talk would be like breather. And it'd be, it'd come out better because it was easy for me. Like it was, it was natural. If I do something like a, you know, turn up, John, like it's going to be like, it might be hot, but it ain't going to be because it's not me. It's not really, you know, my personality. I feel like when you, when you do a video, it should be your personality because so, it, it's believable. Like, I, I believe, I can believe it. A lot of these, you I see like, that's bullshit. Like, that's BS. Like, nobody, like, you know what I'm saying? So we had a, um, not an argument, but it was like a debate and disagreement. And when we did it, when we did the video and she saw the video, She's like, you know, I just want, you know, I'll apologize. You better do it. I said, yeah, like, well, let me, let me, like, she deals, she, that's my, that's my partner. That's my ex. 
she deals with certain a certain part of the of the business. I'm obviously dealing with more of the music. So I told her, like, and I never like put my foot down. Like this is it. I never do that, but I did that for that <laughs> for that ball star. I said, I no no no. This is what we doing, and it came out dope. Now I think I think that's. And then also shout out to uh, my man Ko Creative who uh who uh you know filmed it directed it. He he was like me that day. Like our chemistry on the day of the shoot was like uh, like amazing. Like the best I've ever had. Like the best. He he knew things. Like I'm sitting there thinking like, damn, we should do such and such and such, such. And he like, hey, hey Luke, why don't we do what I was just thinking in my head? And I'm like, yo, that was dope. And that's why the video I think came out so so dope, man. I think that's my best video to date. Yeah, I think you got to stick to your personality. Like I think that's that's the thing because there's so many artists. We can now tell who's bullshitting and who's genuine, and we can tell the difference. Like what drives me nuts, and this is. And people are going to think this episode is just me just telling people and telling everybody what drives me nuts. But what annoys me more than anything you know what grinds my gears. Grinds my gears. This is the new <laughs> the new content. It's just going to be me telling you uh, there was a guy who was driving up my ass this morning. That no, nah, I'm not going to. We're not going to get into that. That, that that also annoys me. I actually was like, imagine if I talked about this on the podcast, but it turns out I have. But it, what what drives me crazy is music videos and they've gotten a bunch of girls but the house is shit like it's not a a nice house like it's in a bedroom yeah it's like a crack house there's holes in the wall i'm like come on i like i understand what you're trying to do but it's the wrong vibe like if you're gonna do it if you're gonna do it in a like a crack house vibe you need that gangster shit that's what it it should be there if you want to have the whole girls you need like a pool you need to be outside next to a nice car like just just a little bit you don't have to throw you know the sex appeal into every music video and i have no problem with it but it has to make sense like i feel like people are just like oh yeah just throw in you know a naked a naked female and and i'll sell and it's like right right exactly it doesn't (laughs) doesn't make sense like you know i think they it's hard when you don't have the budget that's the problem that has something to do with because because women now like they're charging like these little IG models and all that they talking about five hundred dollars so but uh I'm, somebody asked me well, why you don't why you got no girls in none of your videos I said listen to them where I'm gonna put where the girls gonna come from and it's it's a female you know but not like like what you're talking about half naked twerking and shit I'm like bro it's not I don't got it's no parties that's what a party song that's what a you know, the nightclub, the strip club, like you said, you have nice cars outside, nice day, shorty walking by, stuff like that. Like, we can't have no video, I mean, no, you know, IG model on, you know, these two. Like, it's gangster shit. We in the street. Like, we in the hood. Yeah. People just wanted sex. Sex is everywhere. Like, sex. It's just it sex. just sells. It's just, it it's, sells. it's visually, sells. it's visually extremely pleasurable to look at. And it's, it doesn't, be, it's not about the music anymore. And, I have no problem with it because like hip hop has always been about sex and, and that is kind of what makes it awesome. But at the same time, all I want is just the artist to literally just be a bit more critical on what they're putting in their music videos. And if you want to have that, you know, upbeat vibe and that's the track that you have, then go for it. Absolutely go for it. But if it's like a, struggling in the trap vibe, you shouldn't, it doesn't make sense to do it. You need to have 
So I, I just feel like, you know, the the challenge is that the hip hop and notoriously it's a young person's game. So like, you know, it's everything that is attractive about the genre. So everyone's like, oh yeah, I'll, of course I'll get, you know, the what are the classic music video of like having naked women twerking, even though it doesn't make sense. Or of course I'll get this style of beat, even though I don't understand or it doesn't suit my voice. So it's like, you just gotta, and the good thing about you is you haven't fallen into those traps. I'm, I, that's because I'm, I'm very aware not to. Like I, I refuse to be a gimmick, even if even if it means making it. I'm not. I can't do it. I can't do something that's not true to me. I gotta look in the mirror and be like, like you know, like Frankie. Like I did it my way. Like I did it, and I'm okay with that. I can't do it. I was listening. Uh, I, you listen to Black Black Thought, uh, like R&B guy got a, a six instead of a beat. You ever listen to him? Oh yeah. A little bit, a little bit. He's not really my type of sound. He's like, as you said, more R and B. But I've listened to a little bit of his work. I'm not that familiar with it. Yeah, he was. He was. He, he had a track, and it was like a. Uh, I guess he was talking to his man mm. at the beginning of it, and he was saying, "Like, I'm not. I'm not going to be a gimmick. I'm not going to do this song because what if it pops? Now that's what they're going to be looking for. Now. They, I'm saying they're going to be looking for that sound, and if it's not that, there's no love. And I. That's and I. That's how I've always been. So it was funny to hear that from him to say that. That's actually a really cool way of thinking about it. That, like yeah. it never crossed my mind to think of it like that. Like it's like an actor who plays a character and then they're that character for the rest of their career. That's all they get cast as. Um, and then you do something different and you get, and everyone's like, what the hell? This is not what I yeah, signed up for. Exactly. <laughs> I'm buying music for that. Like, what is this? Like, yeah, I, I can't. I can't do it, man. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I. I feel like you have to know who you are before you become, or before you try to become an artist. You can't be. You can't call yourself an artist if you don't know which way to go, or if you letting Tom, Dick, and Harry mold your flow or your whatever your song selection whatever the case like i i can't that's, that's that's very big for me very big for me like nobody really has a say in my music like you you, you can't you're not going to tell me oh, bro you need to no i don't I'm, this is what i'm doing this is what i'm going to be doing i know that it's lanes i have to get into and i'm gonna do it my way i'm gonna make a you know a turn up song luch way yeah and I think all the all the icons right now, like you look at people like Drake, Travis Scott, you know, Jay-Z still making music right now, um, Cardi B, Megan Three Stallion, they're doing it their way. Like they're not actually influenced by critics. They're not influenced by what people say they want. They just go, you know what, this is what I'm making. You either like it or you don't. And, you know, I look at someone like Drake and he has so many different styles of albums. Like he has more of an R&B feel. And then he has, you know, your rapidy rapper type vibe. And then Travis Scott picks the most interesting beats. Cardi B goes off and she just goes crazy. Same as Megan Three Stallion. So like the, the real success stories are the people who are like, Hey, I'm going to give you who I am and I'm going to do it my way. And if you don't like it, so be it. I'm not really that concerned. Like people will like this. Right. Cause if it's hot, it's hot. For real, for real. Like what? Especially when you get to that level, like if it's hot, it's hot. Like it, it, it doesn't matter if it's with the times, if it's you know, gimp, whatever. Hot is hot. 
good music is good music. You can't deny good music. That's that's another reason why I feel like like I'm just waiting on my moment because it, it's it's going to be but so long that it can be denied. Sooner or later, somebody that that you know that can push a button is going to hear it, and then you can't like I I have yet to hear anybody tell me or make me feel like my music was right wet. Like if you listen to it, you're gonna like it. You're gonna like something about it, or you're not gonna say, "Oh no, that was I'm cool." I just I can't see that happening. Yeah, and the thing is, like, even if you start and only choose one or two tracks, it's a start. Like, you know, and this is what people I feel like don't understand. Like, I'm the type of listener, I'll go into an album and I'll just choose the songs that I like from that album. But because there are songs I like in the album, I'm going to be tuned into the next one because I know I'll find something that I like. So you don't have to like the whole thing. You just have to like parts of it. And then from there you're building the catalog and you're like, okay, well, I liked these two or three songs. So in the next one, there's probably something I'm going to like and it builds. So I think there's, you know, a false equivalency sometimes of people going, oh, that's a fantastic album. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But as long as there are some tracks that people are starting to gravitate towards, then you're doing the right thing. And and that's, and that's huge. That's huge. That's all it takes is, you know, a couple people, who wasn't listening to me that I that I know. And I like I might have be, I might, they might be riding with me one day, or I'm riding with them, and I'll put something, or they might put something on just because I'm in the car with them. They put something on. Yeah. And they and the way they react, and it's like, oh, you don't be listening to my shit. <laughs> and they're listening, like, oh, yo, this joint, now they listening to me now. I'm like, you gotta listen to me. Like, you gotta listen. Like, I, I gotta think of this bar that, that pertain to that. Like, they, uh, what is it? They, they, they chasing, trying to pick them apart. They don't get it. They need to listen and pick you apart. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just listen to the music. Just like if I, you know, now you ain't elementary, but everybody will listen. You got to rhyme every word. Every last word got to rhyme. <laughs> I tell you so what, like, do you know my favorite work. thing, though? My favorite what? thing is when I'm. it's in my car and someone's riding with me and I put on a song and then I'm like, I interviewed that person. And they're like, <laughs> Really? You, right. because it's weird. If I tell people that I do this, it does. It's like it almost doesn't register. Like, doesn't make sense because it's like the the idea of speaking to an artist is different. But when they hear the song and they're like, "Okay, this is actually really good," and you spoke to that person, that's 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 the cool part. I'm like, I'm like looking at them. I'm not even driving anymore. I'm like looking at their face to see. That's like the that's the little the little joys. Like, you know, for you, when, when you they hear you and you hear them, like, you know, enjoying your music, that's like the same thing for me. Like, people going, okay, this is actually good. And then I know that I'm influencing the culture in a positive way, that I'm showing artists that you may ne- have never heard before or, like, it just gives me that little bit of continued inspiration to, to keep going. I like that. What made, what made oh, you know, going to switch hats real fast, what made you, like, do this, the podcast? Well, you know, we're, we're going into, oh, I don't know if I feel comfortable. No, I'm, I'm joking. Of course, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> yeah, imagine me being coy right now. Um, uh, so I started it. It used to be called the Slim, Fitty, and Biggie Committee. And it started with me and my two friends. Wait, 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 wait. What? Say that again? The Slim, Fitty, and Biggie Committee. Slim, Fitty, and Biggie Committee. <laughs> yeah. Because me and my... 
me and my two white friends, like, let me be very clear. All three of us are very white. <laughs> we get sunburned in, you know, if the light is turned on too bright within a room, let alone if we go outside, right? So, so <laughs> but, but we've always loved hip hop and we've been friends for like 10, 15 years. So we've been friends for a long time and we have a Facebook group and it's just us sharing music and we've had that for a long time. And so I came with the idea and Eminem's, album um if you're reading no, no no that's drake um music to be murdered by side uh, a came out and we kind of did like a mock review just to each other like one of my friends did a video of him reviewing it one of my friends wrote it and i did a voice recording and then i was like why don't we just do this like we do it anyway um and so we started reviewing hip-hop albums um just because I was like, we do it. And I feel like there would be people who would be interested in listening to album reviews, literally going track by track and reviewing it. Um, and then I decided from there to start interviewing artists and be like, well, if we're doing this, it makes sense that we should interview artists as well and, and get their opinions on their music and their story. And I asked them at the time if they wanted to interview artists with me, they both said no. They're, they're more introverted than I am. So I like speaking to all these different people. So they said no. And then eventually um, they fell out of love of doing it because it was work and it took a lot more work. They started it for fun and they started getting to more work. And then I just took over and, and continued the interview side of it. So that was kind of the journey that that we went on. Um, but, you know, during COVID, I was like, I got to do something else. I can't just... And I was still working and I was still doing that, but I was like, I need a creative outlet. I need something else to stimulate me. And and this is where we're at now. So like, you know, it's coming up to close to a year since I've been doing this. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. It feels like it's, I've been doing it for a lot longer, but also like I've not been doing it. Like this is almost like the, the third interview. It's like this weird headspace that I'm in, but that's how the podcast kind of developed. And, and now we're sitting here. It's the, the hip hop hustle. Congratulations, man! I've got you can you can you can tell the you can hear or tell the, the passion you got. And to, to, for you, when you said that's the only music you listen to, I'm like, damn, I I listen to other music. You real, real hip hop head. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I don't know what it is. Like I didn't grow up like my parents didn't listen to hip to hip hop music. Like my mom still hates it. Like and like she still doesn't really get it. But um, like, yeah, I don't know. It just hit me in the right way. It hit me when I was a kid and I've been obsessed ever since. And yeah, I found, I've always liked talking to people and I found this married a passion that I've always had for music, but I'm not a musical person. So like, I'm not a rapper and I can't play instruments, but I realized that I'm fantastic at talking to people and this is my skill set. So like I can marry the two and literally podcasting is is quite new and it's been around for a while but you know i just it just felt like the right time and yeah podcast life podcast life and you have to get the mics and you have to get mate i'm building a studio at home right now and let me tell you i'm not a i'm not a handyman i'm not a handyman at all (laughs) (laughs) everyone looks at me and goes oh you must be a handyman i'm like nah man smooth Uh, skin on my hands (laughs) <laughs> and was, no, I just manicure and everything. I don't do no. I, I tell women that too. Like when I, when I listen to it, don't call me. Give me some fix. I'm not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't like getting dirty. Get my hand there. It's not me. It's not me. 
I'll pick up the phone. I'll get someone. I'll call. I'll call somebody. Yeah. They know that. That's why they. That's why these people are professionals because this is what they do. Let's call the people that do this stuff. Yeah, I can lift stuff. That's about it. Like I can help you move furniture. But if it's longer than like two hours, I'm going to get bored and I'm going to get annoyed. So you <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be your fault because you did. Yeah. You got me. You got me doing it. So it's all your fault. And I know I would have agreed, and I know I would have tried. I'm doing it because I'm trying to be a nice person. But expect a point where I'm like, I've had enough. Like I just don't want to do this anymore. That's crazy. I'm the same exact way. I hate labor. Like I'm not a labor guy, man. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, it's weird all. because you work so hard. And when you say I don't like labor, it's like that manual labor. I'm the same. Like I I can't imagine being a builder and I can't imagine being a construction worker. Like to me, it's just weird, but some people love it. It's just, they just like doing it. Love it. Some people, are good. you know, they grow with their hands so they want to, you know, they might have fixed, you know, the toy car back in the day and they just kind of fell in love with it. You know, they each his own. But me, <laughs> and that's funny that you say that I work, I do work hard, man, on this. Like, so it's crazy that I could tell, you know, I ain't a laborer, but I'm in here, you know, barely sleeping, you know, writing and talking to people, meeting people, all that stuff. Like, that's crazy that you don't, probably people don't compare the two. Like a construction worker look at, you know, people like us, like, Oh man, you know, you never worked a hard day in your life. Right? Yeah, you're soft. Wrong. You're wrong. Yeah, you're soft. Look at this guy. He don't got no calluses on his hand. Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> I got calluses on my guy? mind. That's what that's what it is. Calluses on my mind. It's like just love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, like uh, I was gonna say this pro- probably leads perfectly to, to like my last question. And this is the only one that I plan throughout the whole podcast, but um, and this stems off that you know, conversation we had about artists, but if you had one album or recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once, it doesn't have to be hip hop, literally any album, what would it be? Oh, Reasonable Doubt. Jay-Z. I'm going to have to say Reasonable, Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt, because if you see him now and, 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 you know, all the moves, you know, billionaire, like, you, I don't think you would be able to, if you cared enough to understand. I don't think you could understand what you see now of Jay-Z if you didn't listen to Reasonable Doubt. I agree with you. And De Evils is still one of my favorite songs. And, you know, just sneak shout out to DJ Premier. You knew. knew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I know, I know. <laughs> you, probably, you probably know every every snap drum on that joke, but you don't know no words. You just know the whole yeah. beat. Yeah, oh, <laughs> uh, and... Yeah, I just know. Uh, and I know it's DJ Premier Beat when he's got the signature hook, the signature scratch, of, and he's got, you know, a little bit of cracking of vinyl every now and again. But my favorite thing is he loves a fake out. He does it. Yeah. And he does a fake out. I love the beat starts in one way and he's like, no, 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 we're not doing this. They drop. He's like, what the? Yeah, like, oh, shit, this is dope. But um, right. yeah, Reasonable Doubt, Jay-Z, a classic album and... If you haven't heard it, you definitely should because you're right. You can't understand who Jay-Z is now without understanding that that album. Um, and that is an iconic album. And, and his first one, I still, I almost think it's his best one. Um, biased. I feel like, I feel like it is. I mean, I feel like, I feel like American Gangster is like the updated version of Reasonable Doubt. Like this is, like Reasonable Doubt was like, you know, the hustler Jay-Z. Uh, 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 American Gangsta is, 
is you know the businessman Jay Z, the, the artist Jay Z, you know. Yeah, I've, it, it was just raw at that time, and, yeah. and just uh, it really revolutionized hip hop. It just sounded so professional, but like what he was talking about, and that's where we go back to content his content was so deep he was talking about him as an individual he was talking about him drug dealing his journeys and he was that's so introspective and you know so cool that like you know as a first album for someone to be able to come out with something like that yeah okay that sounded like it was his fifth one or something like third or fourth fifth one like that's the first one i think everybody around him everybody in the hip-hop world i think when they heard that they're like, oh man, that's he's gonna be a problem because that album, man, was ridiculous. I, I got a question for you too. Before we yeah. I know you're go for it, man. I know you were saying that you review albums and stuff like Have you reviewed anything of mine? And if so, what which one and how did you feel? Uh, I haven't reviewed it, I, I did listen to it. Um, I, I always give anyone that I speak to, I'll always listen to their music, but um, look for, for me personally, I reckon you got the bones of. Of success i reckon you've got the what looks like success i think my only concern and this is purely as a critic remember so like i don't my my only concern from my perspective is not letting your music breathe for long enough and i get it and i get that challenge of like you want to keep putting it out but um yeah i, I felt like something that you would do really well is like you know king crooked he's he did the weeklies he would do he would release a song every week and he would just do that every week. I feel like that's something that you would be good at. Cause if you're always producing stuff, you can always, you know, week to week do a track. But I think that your beat selection matches your voice really well. And I think you just got to keep doing that and then letting the, the album drop breathe and market it and make sure enough people get to it before you drop the next one. Cause you want to build the momentum it feels like you're almost undercutting your own momentum because before enough people hit it, you're like, here's another one and another one. And then it becomes overwhelming with how much music you've got. So that's my only advice. And again, I'm just a random guy who likes hip hop. That's it. So that's just my that's, piece on that's it. That's why I respect your opinion because I, because you, you know, you're a student of hip hop. So I definitely respect your opinion. No, I appreciate you asking me, man. And, you know, I'm always down to talk about this kind of stuff with, with any artist who wants to wants to ask for my opinion. But I think, yeah, I think you've got the bones of success. Like, and that's the hard part is getting the, just the bottom level. Like you've got to get the foundations correct. And then from there it comes. So I think it's just a balancing act of when to release things and, you know, just timing wise. Cause I think, you know, the music that you've got, people will love that. Like that's not, not a question. Now you just got to give yourself the opportunity for people to have enough time to digest it and have enough time to miss it. And you want people to be like, Luch, drop more shit. I'm waiting, drop more shit. If they never ask you to drop more, you're probably releasing it too quickly. That's probably my opinion on it. Appreciate that. Anytime, man, you know, always honesty. You'll always get honesty from me. At, at the end of the day, I just want to see, you know, good artists succeed and I want to see, you know, the culture step forward. So, and you've been on a on a, on a long journey and, and a great journey already. And now we're seeing the, the journey of an artist. So, uh, yeah, I have no doubt that you'll get there. And I think it's, you know, you're still young when it comes to hip hop. So, um, but you've got the foundations and, and the drive and the desire for success. So, you know, that is what will carry you forward. So I would take a lot of confidence 
from that. And you already know it, but it's always good to hear it from somebody else. And I'm sure your manager tells you as well, but you, you will get there. Just circle it sounds better. It, you know, it means more from somebody that doesn't know you and that's outside of your circle. Right? Yeah, hey. yeah. But yeah, I, I have no doubt that, that you'll, you'll continue to do really well. And you know what, you're already seeing the, the rise, like you just keep doing what you're doing and, and you'll clean up those little things. Like you'll, you'll find your scheduling periods. You'll, you'll figure out what that peak period is. You'll find, you know, the, the best time to drop an album, the best time to drop a single to how to do more features, whatever it looks like. So I think those are the easy things to fix up. You've, you've done the hard stuff in the sense that you found the sound, you found beats, you've done all that kind of stuff. Now you just got to keep that momentum moving forward. Appreciate it. Well, man, as I said, a pleasure having you on the show. If you haven't heard Luch Carpo, hit him up on, on Spotify, on IG. Are you on Twitter as well? Uh, I am. I am uh, at Luch underscore Capo at Twitter. Uh, uh, Luch underscore AS Empire underscore Entertainment One on IG. Uh, Luch Capo on Facebook. Luch Capo on YouTube. Luch Capo on Spotify. All that good stuff. And and definitely check out his most recent album, Birth of a King. You know it's the right one because there are periods in between the words. That's how you find it, okay? So don't come and, and tell me you don't know how to find it. i tell you right here. That's how you find it, and then you'll find uh, the, the other tracks. So um, obviously the speech, obviously a, a new one that dropped as well, but plenty of music out there. Let him know what you think. Um, and, you know, if you disagree with my opinion, any fans disagree with my opinion, let me know as well. Um, I'm always open to, to having a hip-hop debate. But, um, yeah, man, as I said, pleasure to have you on, and I appreciate you being so so open and honest and we spoke about you know a lot of personal things so um i appreciate you you being open and honest with me no problem man. you made it you made it easy to be comfortable like that i appreciate you anytime man well you know next album we drop it might be next week we might have to do another podcast so <laughs> <laughs> uh, i hear you i hear you i definitely love to next the next project i definitely love to come back yeah uh, let me know send it to me i'll definitely give it a listen i'll let you know what i think um one of the other artists i interviewed he sent me one of his so um it's funny because he asked me for his opinion on it or my opinion on it and my opinion is the exact same as his managers um so he's like okay i get it but uh yeah i'm always down if anyone ever wants to send me their their projects i'll I'll tell you how i feel about it that's that's always like my commitment to that you know that. I, I, if you can, maybe you got to find some time. Review that Birth of the King for me. Tell me what you think. I'll I'll have to let you know what I think. I'll have to listen to to every track on there. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I gave it a skim through. I, like I like the structure of it. That's and I found that outro to me is like it was like it annoyed me because it's like the last song on the track and it's so good. <laughs> and I'm like, oh god damn, it's the last song. <laughs> That's what my brother said the same thing. He's like, man, that's the that's a song. That's the last track. So yeah, man, it's the outro. I love that. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for all upcoming podcast news. Bye for now.